Hello everyone, it's been a wee while. Welcome back to uh, OuijaCast. This is my safe space. We are in episode 24, and this evening we are joined by CyberGevin, also known as Andrew Tierney. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for coming. I appreciate it. Um, I think a lot of people will probably know you, yeah, from Twitter, uh, with your general shit posting, and also... <laughs> good security uh, insights uh, as well uh, and yeah Andy's wanting to get you on for a bit I think John Carroll specifically requested it as well Stu, uh, loads of people Stu yeah Kennedy like yeah, yeah Hannah, Hannah's, I say hundreds of people we only had like 22 guests but hundreds of people it's quite a few <laughs> but uh, no so yeah super appreciate you taking the time out uh, to yeah just have a little chat man get to know you uh, I think that's gonna be gonna be pretty sweet uh, so mo- most people know you on the internet as as either currently Detective Pikachu, but previously <laughs> the the fucking other Pikachu image, which is the from, other Pikachu image, yeah, which, yep. which is from some video. Strokemon. <laughs> it was was My was God. the name of that video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it begins. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we, we were saying in the precast, Ouija cast is anything but co- corporate, and it is very true. We are we are so laid back. But anyway, get getting into it, like the industry. How how long have you been in security, and like what what do you actually do? Um, yeah. So I I started working full time in the security industry in 2015, late 2015. So I've just been doing it for five years, really. Uh, a little bit before that, I ran my own business, doing it as kind of like a side job, a day a week. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, about five years. I think like a lot of us, we've been doing this kind of stuff for quite a long time. Uh, maybe not really in this security industry um, beforehand, but, you know, messing about with security. Um, what do I do? Uh, a lot of different things. I lead the hardware team at Pentest Partners. Um, so we do the the stuff that's not general purpose IT. Um, you know, IoT is probably our, our biggest area, industrial mm. control systems. Any, anything that's connected that doesn't have a keyboard and a screen on it really is, is kind of our bag. Automotive, ships, um, whatever comes along really. So, cool. and it's it's not really, it's not strictly pen testing. It's not just blue team. It's not just red team stuff. It, it, it's a variety of things. So yeah, it's, a, it, it's an interesting blend of different jobs we get coming along. You know, we we'll try anything. Yeah, if we can do it. We awesome. can do it. I think we've had a couple of people at this stage that have done kind of like hardware based stuff, like Meadow, uh, Chrissy, Stu as well, isn't he? I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Chris, Chris Pritchard as well. He he did you know, Ghosty did a lot of ICS stuff. Oh, does he really cool? Yeah. Yeah. You he all did, do he, such awesome he said, stuff. He but... said it on the podcast. There was a whole segment on the podcast of what he. Anyway, hey. What, what do I, I mean, know? 24 episodes in, Andy. Like, I mean, that's a <laughs> number of hours to, to try I, I and remember. Mean, that was a great cast. Full, full what, disclosure, what I, did, I did listen to that podcast at least two weeks ago, so I've got a little bit <laughs> a little Funny bit that. Like, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, there's quite a few few views that do it, but it definitely does seem to be you know quite a niche thing. I think from what I've... I, I've slightly dabbled in it to a degree, uh, just with naturally trying out a bit of a kind of raspberry pi sort of stuff um i've got like philips u lighting so i went through some stages of trying to build some stuff for that um but 
it's like it's such a massive rabbit hole going down like hardware um, that just keeps going and going and going. What kind of got you into? Obviously, there must have been a, a beginning point, like you say, maybe before you started doing it as a job, but you started getting interested, you know, in kind of hardware hacking yeah. and that sort of stuff. Where did it all begin for you, Andrew? Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's quite a complicated question. I think, um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, there, there was this TV series on BBC that was kind of on like Saturday evenings, prime time, called Bugs. That was about this, this group of like... Uh, I, I don't know what you'd call them. The, like hackers wasn't even really a term that that they, I don't think it was ever used in the series. But it was it was one guy who, one guy who like you know did all the like physical breaking into places. One guy who was like good at social engineering and a, a woman who was the hacker. Um, and and they went round and they kind of got involved in all these like crazy adventures with electronics and hacking and computers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a box set of it and it's completely unrealistic looking back at it, but for some reason that really kind of formed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was Terminator two. Uh, is it Terminator two or is it Terminator? The the one where the, the kid uses the, uh, the like keypad thing to like hack into oh, an ATM. So cool. like, yeah. That, yeah. That, that stuff like that in films kind of made me think this stuff's kind of possible. Yeah. And I remember it, at school looking at computers and thinking, can we make these do things that they shouldn't do? Um, and back then, you know, I mean, the security was crap. Oh, yeah. um, our school had a, a BBC uh, Econet network, which, the, you know, there was no security whatsoever, but there was nothing you could really do. Um, but then once once they moved on to uh, Windows and PCs again, like the security was just awful and you could do pretty much whatever you wanted. Um, so I think probably a lot of us started messing about in security at school. You know, it doesn't make it any more legal doing it when you're at school, but when you get caught, you know, the penalties, you get a detention. Um, You know, generally people don't, you know, react in a crazy way. So you mess about with it at school, you mess about with it at uni, and it kind of progresses like that. Um, And I guess I kind of drifted away from computers for quite a long time, moved back into working with computers and i wasn't strictly doing security but i remember i kept on having to use like bypasses um ways of getting around security controls it was stupid stuff like we were upgrading a system it was you know one in the morning on a saturday and we suddenly realized we didn't have the rights to restore a database onto a particular system and you'd find a way around that Mm. and that kind of gave me that that knowledge that kind of like that interest that you could do these things what's possible yeah i mean andy says the same with uh your kind of computer repair stuff and recovery uh, data recovery used to do andy like um that was the kind of stuff that yeah whilst it might not have been you would might not have thought of as hacking but a lot of crossover i'm sure just out of the necessity to be able to get past some stuff to do your day job oh yeah hacking is just i mean the core fundamentals of hacking is making something do making a system do something it's not intended to do mm. and be that bypassing authentication yeah. or bypassing a, a process that something happens it's not the portrayal nowadays that's whereby oh it, well it's cyber criminals and shit it's not it's it's making something do shit it's not meant to do fundamentally yeah, yeah. So. I, I, I think the time when i most realized that was a the software system i supported was sql based uh, microsoft sql based and um, 
I used to have to get into work at seven every morning in an investment bank to support this software. And one morning I got in and it wasn't working. Uh, something had happened with the database that stopped everybody logging in. You know, you typed in your username and password and you got a SQL error. Um, but I knew that there was a SQL injection problem in the username field of the login form. I didn't have access to run SQL Server Management Studio against the database, but I could run SQL commands through the username. Mm. So I remember on that day fixing the log, fixing the problem with the login by deleting the issue through through the login prompt using SQL <laughs> injection. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it that 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 existed there for for years. It, it was brilliant though. I remember it was probably probably only two weeks before I left. Um, one of our clients emailed us saying the SQL injection in your your login form, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know about that." And I'm just going to leave this company and go and do a security job. So yeah. <laughs> oh man, like useful that it was there, but yeah, yeah, that's quite funny. Uh, but yeah, taking something and finding a, a way around it is <laughs> hacking yeah. in a nutshell. So yeah, no, that's really interesting. So was that your so was that your point basically of starting to specifically move into security-based roles then, uh, just when you left that company? Well, I, I, I kind of, I got bored. I got mm. bored doing the same thing, and I, I just, it didn't feel, it was investment banking related, um, yep. and it, it that's just not me, to be honest. Like, it kind of felt felt not my true goal, or yep. something like that. Um, and I was always interested in security, and... I'd found a few vulnerabilities in various bits and bobs, hardware devices. So I thought like IOT's becoming big, you know, it, people are starting to install these things in their home. So I thought let's start a, a pen testing firm to do this. So that was kind of my jumping off point. I did that one day a week, you know, just kind of as a, a kind of background job and a couple of companies uh, started paying me to do work. At really really awful day rates um because i didn't really know any better but also when you're a one-man band you can charge a lot less there's a lot less overheads yeah um and i did that for a few years but it was just the problem is when you're a one-man band you're you're selling you're scoping you're testing you're reporting you're doing all the client relations all as one person you're, you're doing the accounts as well really thin like uh just yeah. by having to do all that i can appreciate that yeah yeah so you just it just became too stressful now so i started looking for a, a job in security um interviewed at a few places um one of the really big challenges was i was working in software and investment banks and you get paid quite well <laughs> so an entry-level pen testing job wasn't kind of going to cut the mustard there um you know to support family everything like that so yeah. i kind of had to wait for the right role to come along which eventually did nice and here you are and here you are now doing mm -hmm. doing cool stuff so like in along your career path then like did you because i mean we, we were chatting prior to um prior to the cast that you went to like nautical college what what brought you to that point are we actually studying there or are you just doing up for shits and giggles uh it, so that I, I started i left uh school and i did electronic engineering or electrical and electronic engineering at university mm -hmm. uh i left 
ran a business with a friend for a year kind of doing small business IT stuff, which, yeah, it, it was just never going to be profitable. Yeah. So bailed from that, got a job uh, working at sea, <laughs> which sounds like a complete flip. Um, <laughs> it is a bit, I, but it sounds it like an interesting bit, one. I, I, I really like physically fixing things, using yeah. tools, uh you know, I, I, I've, I've done, I've worked during summers as an electrician and stuff like that, and I kind of, I thought, my dad worked at sea, my granddad worked at sea, and I thought, look, I'm going to go and work at sea, so, uh, it's tax free, you don't pay any tax on your earnings. Always um, nice. You go around the world, you see interesting places, you get to fix stuff. So I went to train to become. A marine engineer so that was why i was at glasgow college of nautical studies uh, training to be a marine engineer so yeah i worked on container ships for a bit uh, as an engineer that, yeah, that's awesome yeah it was good fun it, 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 it it's a unique experience very unique experience um did you have an affinity with uh, working at sea? I, I know one or two people that have done it and uh, i know a, a few of them just like took to it like a yeah, I just, just instantly enjoyed it. I know one or two of them had some difficulties with starting it just because of the nature of working at sea is kind of probably quite scary <laughs> by the sounds of it. How did you get on with it? Was it just, did you immediately just take to it? I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the work. Um, I really, I mean, it's going to sound properly cheesy. I really enjoyed the bonds you form with people. Yeah. So I worked for one of the big container shipping companies and you, um, you kind of get put on a ship and you don't really know who you're going to be on a ship with, but on a container ship, there's, there's somewhere between 21 sort of 29 people, not, not mm. that many crew. Um, and you're very reliant on each other, um, day to day. And you just kind of, you form very strong bond with people very, very quickly when you're in those situations, especially when, you know, shit hits the fan and things start going pretty badly wrong. And the trenches. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of that that same kind of uh, vibe, I guess. And um, yeah, it, it it was enjoyable, and I, I do like those days when you you really have to put in those hours and 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 you know put in that effort to get something done. It, there's just been there were so many situations we ended up in that could have gone really badly wrong, but because everybody pulled together, it kind of went right. And mm. it's rare that you kind of get that experience with stuff that's not physical if that makes any sense like you know a, com if a computer not working is rarely gonna kill you well whereas you know <laughs> well it depends which computer yeah depends on the situation but the depends the, on the yeah, yeah. yeah the rarity of it happening is is pretty pretty slim i mean there's there's been a few on-site engagements i've done whereby systems going wrong have been catastrophic to the point in which doors don't open and stuff like that and you're like well shit and I can't, I can't imagine like being like doing pen testing at sea, for example, would be. Well, you've done pen testing at sea, actually. Has there been any horrific stuff like that? Or no, we 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 have to be really careful. I mean, availability's the you know, and safety's the the overriding thing there. You you can't break systems, so you've got to be really really careful. Um, I mean, it it, it we might talk about it later, but you'd be surprised at the things you can break on a ship. That make it so unsafe they shouldn't be sailing anymore. 
so yeah it's it, you're going into full kind of industrial control system methodology you, you you've got to be so careful you don't break anything yeah i mean there's testing on like production environments like and then there's testing on pure on <laughs> ships yeah. where you need to make sure they continue floating so uh yeah uh, that's probably a whole different world uh maybe up there with uh i don't know medical machines uh and life support machines and stuff so no that's fascinating i think you're right i, I think we'll probably talk about that uh, a bit later on because i'm certainly curious myself um in regards to that kind of side of stuff that i know you do um just taking it to kind of uh we always like to talk because fundamentally this podcast isn't just about getting people on that have loads of experience to talk about super technical stuff like there's people like myself that have only started in the industry in the last couple of years there's people listening to this just now that i know that are literally just curious about security and they want to get into a role themselves so we always like to kind of talk about the kind of the beginnings and like when it comes to like higher education and certifications and kind of if there was any route you took in that regard um have you kind of did you go down the route of any professional certifications or like university courses to, that got you where you are today into like the kind of cybersecurity world? I mean, directly, absolutely nothing. I awesome. I have absolutely no certifications whatsoever. Um, indirectly, I've learned to program in quite a few languages, both at university and in jobs, yeah. which I think is really useful. I don't want sure. to be one of those gatekeepery muppets you know it's <laughs> yeah i don't you don't have to program to do something in security but if you can it can really help in certain fields mm. um but yeah no no certifications whatsoever i'm not a check team member i'm not uh you're, you're not messing much honestly it's just i no, no i really well that, that's one of the things like you get certs you get boring jobs <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, ar arguably, yeah, I agree. Most most of the government work and kind of check work. So th those that are listening that aren't in the UK, the check scheme is the kind of government certified scheme. There's there's three main people. Um, some of you might have heard of Crest. There is Tiger Scheme, and there's also Cyber Scheme. Um, and they they provide certifications that enable you to do stuff like check team leader, check team member. But the work itself, most of the time, pretty boring. Most of the time, it's either local local government or like councils and stuff like that. But some of the time. There's some pretty cool jobs. Like I've done a few jobs that have been, uh, like on satellites and shit and some other stuff that's been up up north of Scotland doing bits and pieces of on nuclear sites. And it's not so much the work that's interesting, but just the people you get to see and speak to are pretty cool. Mm. Squaddies can, yeah. can be muppets at the best of times, but some of them are pretty intelligent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I can imagine. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm actually happy to hear that. We've had one or two people in similar positions, uh, but. I, I can't imagine that certification always needs to be the route into getting a job. Uh, it wasn't for me, I guess. Like, I, I did a course, you know, I got some experience, but I didn't have a certification when I got my first job. Um, and I think people should know that that isn't necessarily a full-on requirement, although I'm sure in some instances it might give yeah. you a leg up, um, no doubt. But um, yeah, there is many routes. Uh, in regards to programming, like that's something where I think I did myself like some favors like 15 16 years ago before i remotely thought about getting a job and doing computers was just learning a little bit of html back then like which led to learning a little bit about php and inevitably a little bit about javascript uh, and then like five six years later i got to university and i started using like java when i was doing audio production to do some quite interesting stuff um and that meant that i could at least at the minimum 
kind of like real languages. It's easier to read the language, le- learn it, and you know read a bit of it than, than it is necessarily speaking it. Yeah. So, uh, and that's definitely what I've found. But even just learning those little bits, like here and there, definitely helps me a, a long way when it comes to, especially web app stuff, which is still my Achilles. Uh, but uh, no, that's really interesting. Like I say, so uh, I'm glad to hear there's more people out there that haven't necessarily had to go through the pain of going through certification first um what's the most what areas within like what you've learned have you found the most enjoyable you've obviously said iot um is it does that still grip you as much today as it did at the beginning it's getting more prevalent and more popular which makes it very interesting for me yeah i i'm not sure to be honest i kind of i feel a little bit i at this moment in time i, I don't know which direction i want to go in mm. So IoT is really interesting. If we look back five years, 10 years, you know, telling people you'd install tens of cameras in your house and you'd speak to them and they'd listen to your voice and answer your questions. People would be like, what? That's, that's crazy. No one would do that. No one would put cameras in their house. (laughs) And, you know, millions of people have got echo shows in their houses with cameras in uh, people install CCTV in their houses, and and IoT's really changed what an average person's expectations of privacy and security are. Sure. And that makes it really interesting. And I I like helping secure that because I think that I I think we're gonna in the next. 10 years have a, a massive awakening where people suddenly realize that we've thrown away our privacy mm-hmm. um, and you can't really regain that privacy without security we've not already realized that like surely i mean it, i don't oh, think man. they have no oh, i don't think even close maybe maybe not george in public but a lot of the but i don't know a lot of people in security and i mean security is a very small field in, in the grand scheme of things but they shout about privacy and be like oh yeah it's really bad but yeah, as you say, have an echo. Like, I mean, I've got she's muted at the moment, but I've got a Google in my corner, and she she plays great music, and it's great. But probably listens to all my calls. Don't well, really well she might be muted, but she listening. Yeah, she probably is. <laughs> definitely listening. Like, uh, and no, I don't think anyone's even or mo- the vast majority of people are, are even remotely. Yeah. concerned about it to be frank um i mean i think there was a landmark case recently and it might have been in the uk of someone had one of the the nest uh doorbells uh, with a yeah. security camera and i think it's now been someone might have been as legal proceedings like inbound because it could see into r- someone else's house i think that was a ring doorbell but yeah, yeah it, it was, was a ring yeah it, yeah it was oh like, nest and the other ring yeah different company. yeah yeah, I, I've not actually read the details of that. I probably should do, seeing as it's my job. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, essentially that—that's the problem. Ring doorbells record other people, yep. and I—I I don't think they're uh, fulfilling their obligations to inform people they are and, and making that data accessible. Mm. And it, like, it, there's always been that thing that you know the UK and London has got has got the most ubiquitous surveillance cameras <laughs> in the world. But now we've got ring doorbells. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, my neighbour's got a ring doorbell and the angle on the door means that and the, the way our our path is shared means that you can see me leaving the house on the doorbell. And I, I'm like, should I be bothered by that? Mm. Maybe, maybe not. And it, But it, it just erodes our privacy 
um and i i, I don't know i i just feel that the wider population is going to suddenly think we've we've destroyed everything i i don't know what's going to trigger it well did you did you not have maybe it's a couple of months ago now because it's a while since i've spoken to you um audibly but would you not have an argument with one of your neighbors about like a um anpr system they were wanting to hook up and you were just like having a yeah go, so go, go and fill cyber gibbons on them. what is an anpr system Aut- just automatic to, just to number plate recognition yeah this was a bit of a mad one so essentially someone wanted to install uh, an automatic number plate recognition recognition system ampr um the, the there'd been a lot of um break-ins and car thefts um and they felt that kind of building a raspberry pi based system where you had a, a raspberry pi camera that would recognize people's number plates and and the community would install these so you'd install them on your property looking out onto the road and it would it would see number plates and recognize them and then and then do something unspecified um but it would gather all of that data and for some reason they thought they were outside of any privacy laws gdpr uh whichever law they 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 thought they were outside of them mm. so you've got this network of cameras operated by an individual person that's seeing when you leave your house when you come back you know it realistically pictures of who's in the vehicle and stuff like that and it mm. he didn't seem to have a problem with this at all yep. um and it just feels stuff like that feels invasive um but, and they're not but even was, thinking twice about it yeah not even think twice about it and it, it was there was a poll on the forum on well it was facebook unfortunately i do go on there sometimes but someone did a poll and it was like it was pretty much 50 50 on whether people thought this was a good idea or not which kind of worries me. 50, 50. That's interesting. It's actually higher than I thought there would be. I'd imagine there'd be 70% of people being like, oh yeah, does that mean my driveway is more secure? Yeah. But 50, 50. At least there are 50. That's actually encouraging for me that there's 50% of people that at least questioned it. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I don't know how I feel about it either. I, I can see the advantages to it, but also massively big brother and who has access to that data, who can gain access to it if they're required and for what purpose well, like it's, it's the same i mean probably going to go off on a tangent of privacy and stuff but it's the same with a lot of systems like so one of our clients required me to do a background check um for a sp- specific type of job um and it was out it was it was with our company in the states and i was like yeah no bother and before i even looked at it i was like this is i mean usually i don't give a shit about tls like i'm not scott helm i don't get fucking hung up on tls issues however uh, there was a form that was asking me for my national insurance number, which was submitted over HTTP. And I'm like, hmm, no thanks. And then I went mm. further down the line, and I'm like, this thing clearly hasn't been pen tested. And at that point, you're like, well, here's a system that's trying to do good, but clearly hasn't been pen tested. And it, it brings up the topic of, like, the systems that we use day to day, how often are they actually pen tested? Like, shit that we, we use. And the privacy thing is, well... If if it's not being security tested, how can I be sure that my privacy is going to be retained while using System X or System Y? Like the ANPR system is an example, or or storing um, information in a database is another example, or just random sites that we use. And it's it's a problem we see on a daily basis. 
generally don't give a shit but like stuff that's that's more of a, an issue for like identity theft so like national insurance number and passport number and that kind of stuff don't really want it being sent over a clear text connection and also don't really want it being stored in like a server 2k3 <laughs> database <laughs> yeah no it's but definitely big questions this is the thing though like we're putting cameras in our houses i know like and <laughs> you know I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, the, the, there is a camera in my house. It's probably seen my willy at some point. <laughs> I don't want everybody to see that. And it's... I don't, I don't think I, anyone wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the point is, is like, you know, people, people have got that kind of like nothing to fear, nothing to hide thing. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but, but, but that doesn't mean you don't want to be private. You don't want to have those things concealed from your neighbours. Um. I, I think there's going to be some kind of like pivotal moment. Something awful is going to happen where billions of images of of Alexas are going to get released yeah. or something like that, and people are just going to suddenly think, "Wait, I don't want these in my life anymore," or "I want them to be secure from random people." It's going to take a leak. No, you're absolutely yeah. bang on. It will take something like yeah, Amazon or Google or maybe I don't know. There'll be a third party one that might come out. Um, that yeah, it's, I think if people's audio recordings, which are definitely there, because you can listen back to them on your account, um, I think if they ever get properly like leaked, either whistleblower or otherwise, if, um, if Google if Google yeah, leaks my recordings, people. like so so my my Google asks me for feedback all the time, and I'll be on like calls with my colleagues, and I'm like, hey Google, here's some feedback. Oh no, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Speak of the devil and she shall appear. <laughs> um, the microphone is muted. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I think it will take a shock. It will take something that makes people think about that technology in a totally different way. Um, because at the moment it's all just so hidden. Like just with Facebook as well, like the or anything yeah. really that takes your data, like it's all hidden behind terms and conditions. Uh, and unless you're security conscious and actually interested in reading into this, most people don't have a fucking clue what <laughs> they're giving away. Uh, and until I think maybe they are viscerally shown that in some way, then uh, they'll maybe never get on board with it. Um, so how do you convince people that it is an issue? So it, big challenge. It, it, it's a it's a big challenge. I, I I always have to say with stuff like this though, like I I've seen someone who's wheelchair bound mm -hmm. with Amazon, you know, a voice assistant that really works, where they can say turn on the lights, they can say call someone, you know, they it's really empowering for them, you know, to have this technology that lets them. I mean, not live their lives that's that's maybe the wrong words but it, it lets them live a better life by being able to speak and do all of these things and like we can't take that away from people and like i, I do notice the security communities like why would you have an alexa in your house why would you do that and it's like well because for lots of people yeah, this is an incredible technology very true yeah I, the accessibility side of it like I, I think this is the thing that's heartbreaking for me personally is i mean i grew up watching star trek we've talked about this in the cast before like all i've wanted is to be able to say errol gray hot and have an errol gray made for me in, you know, in front of me just like good old picard uh but um 
And, and the technology <laughs> has gotten so good. Like, and maybe we realise this more in Scotland than maybe other parts Aye. of the world where Aye. things no, just... No, no conversations about tea. Last time we did this, fucking <laughs> Phil fucked up the internet. So, come on. This is true. This is, <laughs> th- that is incredibly true. But... Um, no, but the thing is, like, it's, like voice technology, like, f- 10 years ago would never pick up a Scottish accent. Like, it basically still, it never. It still doesn't. Still struggles. It does, though, man. No, like, I, unless honestly. you're talking super fast, like, I have I test it all the time, like, and I don't even have to change the way I'm speaking anymore for it to pick me up. And, like, that's incredible. The technology is great. Alexa, order a 55-gallon drum of lube. I'm sorry if anyone's listening on loudspeaker. <laughs> And we'll see how that works out. I thought you had to go home. <laughs> I, I do. I that's that's why I said that. Because I hope someone's listening to a loudspeaker. I reckon oh, with your right, two okay. accents, you're probably all right. <laughs> but if you're like from if you're from northeast Scotland, I reckon I reckon you're out of the question. You might struggle. Alexa, yeah. yeah. But I would say either way though, like the, the technology has gotten incredible from a voice recognition standpoint. Yeah. Maybe it's the audio engineering me. I did look a little bit into it, but it was a bit outside my grasp. There's a lot of maths involved um in doing voice recognition that was beyond my skill set at the time. But it's gotten so good and it's just such a shame that the technology is completely married to either Amazon, Apple, or Google. The, the only third party one that I think really is kind of getting any ground and even then it's quite slow as Mycroft I think it's called and it's like it's not bad yeah. at all but it's just it's, it's not in the same vein and that's the tragic part like you've got this awesome accessibility stuff that you've just described that's helping a lot of people even something as simple as just easily turning the lights on which means you don't have to go to a switch it's very clear that that's a quality of life uh, improvement uh, you know that should be made available yeah. to anybody but it's just they are and, and having and trying to get that level of quality life stuff from it you're having to sign up to some pretty sketchy terms and conditions to be able yeah. to do it like, it's just a shame that it's so married together the technology can't think of anything else where that's maybe well, the case other than also, mobiles i guess it also changes your perception of things so like i've i've had smart equipment in my house for three four years maybe maybe longer mm-hmm. And for a period of time when I was, but I mean, pre pre pandemic when I was traveling on site a lot, like I always got like Alexa, well, Google now, turn off all the lights, and all the lights go off. But for for a period of time when I was going to hotels, I was like lying in bed going, all right, Google, turn the lights off. And I'm like, this isn't going to fucking work, is it? <laughs> yeah, I did find myself the other day shouting at my oven, like it started the timer went off, and I was like, Alexa, stop timer. And I'm like, no, that's the oven. <laughs> Oh my god, ovens! You you forget you forget how far it's gone, don't you? Like ovens, toasters, washing machines, heating. I'm assuming there's nothing you can't really do if you want to spend the money on it <laughs> these days. But like you say, for some people that's going to be a good thing. But for everybody, there's definitely a privacy concern there yeah. if they think hard enough about it. So, what do you think you can do to improve it? Improve it. Yeah, well, what would you say yeah. the route is to making, to getting this better than it is just now? Really interesting question. I mean, I th- I think one of the things is that um, quite often uh, clients who come to us, when they talk about security, they're talking about their security. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about the security of their customers. They're not talking about the people buying their products. They're talking about, you know, can can we get hacked? Can we get mass hacked? Um, and I don't think that's really the right way of, of thinking about things. You've got to start thinking about 
your your customers the people buying your connected product it's it, it's kind of like like privacy is just people asserting their own security boundary mm. they're saying like this is the stuff i want to stay here this is the stuff i want other people to have and i don't think at the moment we've given we haven't given people the tools to decide what they want to give to other people yeah. and we haven't we haven't really provided for any facility to stop these massive corporations from just taking all of that data i mean one one of the big things that i think one of the tests we've done for a, a really big camera system was we made sure that the video streams were end-to-end -end encrypted I'm, I'm not talking like crazy end-to-end -end encrypted where absolutely no one would be able to view those streams but a member of support in that company wouldn't be able to access that stream there was no way for them to access those kind of temporal keys that existed when you were watching it um and kind of taking those like little baby steps towards stopping people being able to access that stuff is really important but it's kind of one of those things that i don't have an answer for there's loads of research papers into kind of granular permission models and stuff like that but i don't think people are ever going to be able to take control of them themselves to be able to say yes you know i i don't care about the voice streams in my kitchen whereas i do care about the video streams in my bedroom you know that kind of level of granularity is not really there i i don't know how we solve it it's a bit of an awkward one no, it definitely is. Like, it feels like, I mean, I'm trying to think of other analogues to take security and the internet out of the picture, but like what standards we might have for building stuff from like a build quality perspective, um, like standardization was, it? I, I'm like really bad at this stuff. first kind of thing? Or well, you mean I like, don't yeah. know, like BSI, is it the BSI mark? Uh, yeah, the preparation standards mark, what, what the, the, um, when you're building like locks and windows and stuff, you need to have a British standard. I think it is BSI, but having similar yeah. for like IoT devices. I think if I if I recall correctly, before I left PTP, there was a lot of discussion around a standard for that, but I'm not sure if that actually went anywhere. I think I asked me or looking at one, um, which would be kind of somewhat tied to the NCSC. But I, th I mean, that I feels like just on a high level that that would be one potential solution to at least preventing companies from only completely thinking about themselves uh, and maybe thinking about the bigger picture of you know whose security their products might affect in whatever way either directly or indirectly uh, but an education of people but i think we all know <laughs> from the amount of people using bad passwords out there that that in itself is not an easy yeah. task so you know, what is the answer and it's I couldn't even say, but it's a big concern for me as well. To the point where, as much as I love these voice assistants, I do not have one in my room apart from my mobile phone, which is sitting in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I do find it funny how many people are like, "Oh yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an Alexa in the bedroom," but they'll charge their phone next to their bed, and it's yeah. like that's got two cameras in it and a microphone. Probably multiple microphones. <laughs> yeah, probably multiple microphones. Yeah. <laughs> that gives me the fear i can't what's, lie but what's the like if we're if we're being honest here right what's the worst that's gonna happen really like all right cool a picture of a willy ends up on the internet more people are gonna be scarred by that than me <laughs> yeah so i do i find this a really interesting like subject of conversation so i mean 
honestly, if an audio recording of me outside of my office occurred in a taxi on a train in my living room, it's just going to be crap. No one's going to care. Literally no one is going to care about that audio recording. And are we talking about bananas or poo or bikes? You know, <laughs> there's not much there. But if if you, from a threat modeling perspective, think about what happens if that's an MP or the CEO of a company. Now that recording in a taxi becomes really important. And, and stuff like this kind of like flips around. Like, you know, I, I think for different people, leaking of different stuff can, can mean really, really different things. Um, and I, I think it can be used as bribes. So, you know, uh, Andy, if, if, if your Willie ended up on the internet and my Willie ended up on the internet, you know, who cares? <laughs> I, mean, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think either of us are going to be like, well, you know, big deal. But if someone tried bribing someone from private pictures, that that becomes a a, a very different thing. It, it, it's it's become about control, um, and yeah. it it's become about someone benefiting from that, which I think really changes how people feel about things. Um, I I, I don't know. I just I think a good th- example th- of this right is see. Let's look at the uh, Iraq pullout. I was going to say, we're not talking about Willies here, Dave, just to clarify. <laughs> no, no, we are certainly not. Like, <laughs> look, 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 at the, look at what's happened in Iraq like, and the technology that's been left there. Like, uh, you know, the, the biometric data, um, yeah. and it's now being used to persecute people. Um, so uh, it's just in the exact same way. Like, whilst we might, you know, between the three of us, not have any too much concerns if a recording in a taxi gets picked up. But what happens if you're in a country where, you know, that... A recording gets picked up by the taxi driver on their I don't know, CCTV or internal cameras or something like that, you know, and they do have an affiliation to our government, which is, you know, oppressive, you know, or they maybe the, yeah. the, the requirement and the need to pass that information on for fear of their own safety. Like, um, and well, I, th- I think this is the thing we're talking about building technology that isn't just isolated to one country it's worldwide uh, and for every different possible scenario. So, well, and the security implications in different countries will, and to different people will be very, very different. Yeah, I mean, like talking digital privacy in general, there's a bit of research that, I know, I know we're talking about PTP quite a lot, but I used to work for the company and there was a bit of research that PTP did around um, tracking on dating apps. Yeah. And one of the mm. very um, kind of pinnacle points was so one one of the i mean they did grind or they did a bunch of the apps but one of the pinnacle points was one of the apps where uh, being homosexual was illegal in that country or was it was very much penalized and this uh, vulnerability enabled you to track people down to i think it was within a couple of meters so like you're putting people's lives in danger at that point Massively so. and yeah. the lack of privacy there and get the lack of giving a shit from the companies was pretty surreal i mean yeah i wasn't really involved in the research but i did hear about it because research is within a company it's it's published now there's there's a blog post about it it's really interesting we'll put it in the show notes oh yeah but, the but, show notes <laughs> sorry it, it's it, it, it's kind of the same with um with any of this stuff like you know i a year ago in afghanistan there were probably things that were fine by the government and now they involve your hands getting chopped off yeah so some, something that was recorded a year ago six months ago under you know, a different regime mm. could have completely different impact to people. Scary stuff, really. 
No, it really, really is. Um, and I suppose, yeah, just talking generally about the kind of privacy stuff and, and like you say, what the main argument that I hear against it is, but I've got nothing to hide. I've got nothing to hide. Nothing to worry about. Like, you well, know, why, but why are the... we not all naked then? That's the... <laughs> it's you not are? all about nudes. But... <laughs> Wait, you guys are getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, uh, I mean, it's always when I'm kind of... Like, I don't think people understand what that data is being used for, and I think that's a big part of it. Like, they don't realise that it's being, you know, used for advertising, not just products, but political uh, stuff, uh, as we've seen through, what, Cambridge Analytica and, and yeah. all that. You know, and there's so many use cases for it that even I wouldn't have considered, like, uh, there. But um, if you really, th if you think about an analogue of replace the uh, your mobile phone in your pocket with a person that's constantly following you around like so imagine someone's directly behind you listening to everything you say and have a little notepad and they're taking notes of all that you know and then um whenever you're on a computer imagine that person's now just basically rhyming off adverts for stuff that you might like or politicians that you might want to follow and things that they're saying like and they're saying it to you directly in your face you would get fucking annoyed and you get annoyed very fast that's because all politicians are cunts, though. That's that, that, that's. Just... I mean, that that that, that aside, like, um, <laughs> like the, the the point is, like, you know, you might not because you can't physically see that advertising happening, and it's done so subvertedly. Um, you know, if you if it was happening in real life, like, uh, yeah, you would feel like your privacy was being massively invaded, like, um, and but yeah, just because it's so hidden, people don't see it. it. Scares the shit out of me, frankly. It does. It is incredibly scary. Should we go back to the the rough guideline of the of the show? The show. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was an interesting. Got a bit, bit dark. Yeah, and, yeah, it did get a bit dark. But like, <laughs> so if, what we've kind of talked about, like what you found interesting. But what what's the kind of most enjoyable stuff that you've done in your career so far? This isn't in the in the questions. This is just a question that I've thought up. In enjoyable stuff in my career. Yeah, so um, it could be security. It could be the ship stuff. It could be whatever. I mean, I, I I think the pinnacle of my career has been sat on my sofa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just full stop. Just yep. Just full stop. That's actually a brilliant, brilliant feeling. I actually threw my sofa out, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> and um, and being able to steer a cruise ship um, from my sofa. Um, I th I think that's kind of been that that moment where I sat there and I thought this is this is fucking mental. You know, <laughs> that like, is fucking mental. <laughs> Can I, you tell us more about that, or is it somewhat? So you know, full transparency. I'd spent a long time on the ship prior to getting ashore, but I hadn't implanted anything. I hadn't I hadn't placed anything on that ship to cause it to be an unfair test. I'd just learnt about the systems, um, and then once I'd learnt about the systems, um. I mean, essentially, it was a remote access technology that allowed me access to a system that was not important. You know, some something on the ship that that it wasn't the propulsion, it wasn't it wasn't serious equipment. It was something that no one would really care about. Connected through to that, and then via a series of configuration and vulnerabilities, we managed to get from that perspective through to um, the Azipods, the the big electric motors on the bottom of that cruise ship that steer where it goes and i was sat there and yeah i could control them um and it was you know the chance of a a, a fully remote attacker ever finding that is negligible 
you know, I, I don't think it, it would be possible, to be honest. Um, really quite challenging. I mean, from a from a kind of like exploit chain perspective, we're talking like, I think it was about nine different steps we'd have to go through. Mm. None of them particularly hard, but, you know, the probability is starting to get really, really quite low. So I think I think that was kind of that point where I I, I was sat there thinking like, I I mean it's it, it's one of the biggest man-made objects ever built, and I can click a button on my mouse and it will change direction. That was that was kind of the that was that's probably been the the most enjoyable moment of my career I think. I understandably so. Like, <laughs> I mean I know you're saying that there was a lot that went into that research-wise to make it happen. It's not like some massive zero day you found from your couch but that doesn't make it any less interesting that you know you're able to to do that like yeah and i suppose from a security perspective kind of an insider threat sort of thing you know if someone with your skill set happened to be there at the time you know there's a lot of interesting stuff that could come with that but yeah just take it even face value man that's awesome but i must have been were you nervous like were you having like, did you have permission to kind of do that at that stage had you confirmed like i'm gonna go for this or yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's so been, there's been quite, <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was fairly coordinated. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the last couple of steps involved connecting to systems that were uh, very important to the operation of the ship. But yep. we were connecting to them within. We were using documented protocols to access them. So, say for example, RDP, or you know, we were we weren't carrying out exploits on something yeah, yeah. control related. It was it was just. It was those hops with the right credentials that we needed. Oh man, that's Damn, that's cool. Fucking awesome. <laughs> well, I suppose on on the on the note of cool stuff. What, I mean, Dave, you're pretty pretty early in your career, but what's the coolest thing you've done so far? Coolest thing that I've done? I think it's a bit too early for me to be honest, because it's all relatively routine stuff. Um, I had a pretty cool moment recently in work uh, where I found I'm not going to give any details on it like at all, but uh, I found a, that... such a tease, Dave. Such a tease. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like, I do a lot. I do cyber essentials. I do certifications, and normally I'm seeing companies that have been through it a bunch of times before, and they tend to be relatively mature. So, like, you know, and it tends to, and it's a very low bar to be quite frank. Um, and so I don't really tend to see a lot. And obviously, earlier in your career, you're less likely to see stuff because you don't know about it and you don't know what to look for. You've got less intuition. But that's all somewhat changed for me, maybe in the last kind of six months to maybe 10 months, um, where it's becoming a lot more kind of natural. I think I know what to look for more, especially when it comes to externals. But uh, I did very recently find um, a whole load of information that should not have been public. Uh, so. Uh, uh, just by yeah, just general scanning and stuff, and um, it was the first time that I felt like I've had something to proper, uh, like proper important to report back to a client and be like, look, look at this, and, and like the reaction I got was exactly what you would want. It was like that ain't good, <laughs> and uh, and then just generally helping them through it, kind of throughout the day, like, uh, and that's incredible incredibly rewarding doing that um and it's not really an experience of I've, I've had too much of like little bits of maybe patch this patch that but um to think that i've made a bit of a difference in doing that to that company like and the people that i've been working with um felt for me at this point in my career incredibly cool um so it's it's not moving a ship uh but, but it's the first step towards that and i think that's pretty awesome so uh yeah that's mine what about yours oh mine mine is 
Well, I've had a few interesting ones. One that's not directly related to pen testing, but is security related. So I was doing a bit of security research for a government entity in the States. Um, and I found one of their systems for ordering Apache gunship helicopters. Pretty, pretty serious stuff. So I was chatting, like I found this this system and essentially there was an off by one error. So you could, so typically it was grayed out. You couldn't order gunships or you weren't meant to be able to order gunships. But I found uh, essentially an insecure direct object reference in IDOR, which enabled you to iterate a number and go to the next step without clicking the blanked out button. Because it, it was an application, it was a thick thick client so you couldn't like inspect element and click like delete out disabled you just couldn't do it so anyway, i used the idor to skip to the next step and um, was able to give gps coordinates of where i wanted a gunship to land and i contacted the the people involved and i was like yo this is um interesting and they're like yeah that is <laughs> that is uh that is interesting just just chuck an address in it, it i'm sure it'll be fine and i was like are you sure you're sure it'll be fine? Because I don't want a fucking <laughs> helicopter arriving in my fucking street. And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. No bother. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay, cool. So I chucked in the GPS coordinates for my local park. And then I got a notification email about two hours later being like, oh yeah, the ETA is 12 hours. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I really hope this thing isn't going to arrive. And then I get, like a, I get another email through saying like, yep, ETA, t- 10 hours till takeoff. And <laughs> then I emailed back the guy and I was like, are you sure that you're sure that I'm sure that this is not going to happen? He was like, let me just let me just double check this. He goes away and checks and comes back and goes, yeah, we're going to have to cancel that. That is that They are going to dispatch a gunship to that park. And I'm like, oh, fuck. No, please don't do that. <laughs> so Jesus that was, Christ. That was uh, fun. This was all from, an, uh, well, I want to say an unauthenticated perspective, but you had to be within a specific part of the network that I'd been like essentially white carded. Like I'd been allowed listed access to this part of the network, but you could do it. Um, and it was incredibly interesting, but also incredibly terrifying. That was one. And then there was another one where um, my uh, ex-colleague Luke and I were on site in North Carolina working for uh, an industrial control system. And uh, we were fucking about on site. It was great, great fun, doing lots of testing. And um, we took a production line offline. So we were like, oh shit, this is taking offline. But the head of security swanned in and like, it's not a fucking problem. It's fine. No problem. It's their fucking problem. And the next day we walked in and everything was just dark. We're like... Well, that was us. Shit. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> that had knock-on impact. <laughs> that was that was hilariously fun, but also, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we've heard a lot of these war stories. That's pretty much why I think I continue to definitely make sure I'm getting on these casts, because it's always fun to hear about it. So when it happens to me, I'm not going to feel alone. <laughs> I mean... Because it'll come to everybody at some point. I there, guess. There's all sorts of... I mean, Anyone who's ever done pen testing has probably taken something down, whether they know about it or not. Like I've deleted production databases, not on purpose, but I've I've um there was there was a this not even a cool story, but just a, a stupid app. I was doing a um what I thought was a pre-production test for a retail company, and they had a search box, and the test user I had was Paddy O'Neill. So O'Neill's got a single quote in it. Single quote closes, you know, SQL statements. So I chucked in Paddy O'Neill in the the search search box, and it closed a SQL statement that dropped the tables. Um, and I thought this was in a development instance. I was like, all right, yeah, no problem. It's dropped the the development instance. Client immediately calls me, going, "What did you do?" I'm like, I just typed in Paddy O'Neill, you know, like the search. He's like, yeah, 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 it's dropped the 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 dev database. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool, no problem. You can restore that from backup, right? He's like, yeah, but it's also dropped the production database. <laughs> and I was like. 
oh, that's um, that, that's slightly problematic. Why? And he's like, someone created a, a hard link between the dev and the production environment. You know, as you do. I'm like, okay, have you have you got backups of that? No. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, that's that's your problem now. I'll just stop testing. And <laughs> um, we'll close early. Um, no, that's that's hilarious. Um, can you can you think in your for yourself, Andrew, in your career, like if you are even able to share it, what your biggest fuck up might have been at some point, if you if you can even think of one. Um, I'm just, I'm just trying to think about this. I mean, I I think the. I was testing a, I was testing the demo system, but it was, it was sharing a, a the database server with the production system, and I took that out. And I, I, I'm trying to think of how to describe. I mean, th- th- this this system stopped people living. <laughs> it was about the, you know, like it, when we're looking instantaneous living, but we're we're talking like taking this out for a couple of hours, you know, had a chance of people dying it's really you know we're talking like dispatching things to people that really really need them um just through a you know a uat instance being spun up and them not realizing that putting a single quote in exactly the same situation would cause uh, a query to just churn consume all resources and stop the main instance working shit (laughs) yeah yeah but that's the thing like you know these are findings these are security findings when you you finally find out that they've not isolated resources from one another but you don't want to find them out like that no but i suppose the thing is and i I must always come back to this fundamentally there's obviously always going to be a risk when you're doing any degree of testing especially if it is involved in a, a live environment but i suppose the difference there is whilst the repercussions might still be very serious, it's a controlled environment. It's done on a schedule. People are aware that something's happening. And there's, I guess there should be a heightened sense of monitoring what's going on with the systems during that time. And better for it to happen in that controlled environment than for it to happen at three in the morning. Yeah. And so... nobody having a fucking clue that it's going on. And that could be even worse, I guess. Um, if, it, if, that, if that's even just as bad as it was i guess things could be even worse uh, if it's chained with other attacks and stuff so uh well yeah. in this case they wanted out of hours testing because they didn't want day-to-day operations impacted mm. so when it happened it happened out of hours and there was no one keeping an eye on the systems oh well, so yeah instead of it being <laughs> you know 45 minutes of downtime it was you know 90 minutes of downtime it's the opposite yeah. Yeah, effect oh man yeah like, uh well you know, it works both ways. No, of course. Yeah, no, that gives me that definitely gives me the fear. <laughs> You'll be fine, honestly. Nah, of course, it, it's just it part, parcel of the job, isn't it? So, what can you do? Um, so, yeah, what have we got up next? Um, well, we've done, obviously, we've, just, we've done kill this thing. What's like been the greatest achievement of your career thus far? Like, I mean, what is the semantic difference between the coolest and greatest? I don't know. Or is that a semantic difference? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's much difference. I mean, there's been so many things I've done that I've thought, I'm a hacker. I've hacked, I've hacked it really good. You know that. The, you know, the, I've hacked it really good. That may be the name. Pro- proper hacking. Yeah, I've done it's, them hacky things. I've done those hack. I mean, another really interesting one. We we got access to over a hundred thousand camera feeds 
on a cloud connected camera platform. <laughs> that um, is cool. That is great. And sure. again, we we had to go to the client and say, like, can we can we get can we choose some random cameras to get screenshots from? Um, and they let us go and do it. And it's like, wow, this is this is really really invasive. You know, if mm. if anybody else had done this, this this is horrible. Um, and they fixed it. And I, I think in in terms of that, lots of people aren't exposed to that. I don't, I, I don't know to be honest. I, I think it's difficult to differentiate between coolest, greatest, or whatever. There's loads of things you do, and you're like, wow. Like I'm glad I found that, and yeah. hopefully no one else did. No, I think there is a difference between the two. I mean, uh, there's no doubt about it. Moving a ship from your bed is cool. You know, <laughs> you know uh, uh, that that is cool in itself. Just but there's something great about doing something like you say that's without them even knowing it you've benefited them by finding that vulnerability and making sure that it can't happen as easily um and invade their kind of privacy in life so no that is in itself great uh no fair enough all right take it back (laughs) um one question i've got to ask uh, would be so obviously you're into your IoT side of stuff um, and just in general you're obviously heavily involved in security in your day-to-day these days. Um, for people that are maybe starting out, um, maybe aiming towards a kind of similar career path to what you've, to what you're doing just now, like what kind of advice would you be giving to them to try and motivate them? Um, can, you, can you think of anything in particular? So I I think if people want to get in security, mate, like I, you can fall into this job easily. There's lots of roles you can fall into this job, but if you want to become like a really good pen tester, reverse engineer, bug bounty person, whatever, I think there's there's kind of two things that you really need to develop. One of them is inquisitiveness being able to like really start thinking about things around you question everything if there's a rule if someone's telling you not to do something if a system's telling you not to do something how are they telling you not to do it why are they telling you not to do it what happens if you do something that lets you do that but doesn't really align with it that kind of like questioning nature makes a big difference the other thing's just that that ability to learn things quickly and you don't have to um you don't have to learn them in like full depth you just have to learn learn them enough to be able to exploit them and quite often that can just be reading the manual um such you know such it, an under, underrated thing reading the manual reading the documentation yeah. like mm. one of the things that so i used to work with a guy called scott laurie many moons ago and one of the things he was really successful at was compromising really in-depth software suites and the, the 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 secret he told me was sitting down reading the manual like he found undocumented well not undocumented but documented uh, routines within apis that had undocumented properties primarily just from reading about them and yeah it's it's the same with all technology in general like to to hack things you need to understand how they work and to understand how they work you kind of need to read the manual and people more and more will not read things but then when you actually sit down and read the manual you go actually that's how that works and that's what that flag means and that, that's why this is doing what it's meant to be doing how can i make that do something else kind of thing yeah no that's very fair points what would you say uh andrew the, the biggest kind of 
So I just, just cut in there mid, but yes. No, no, but not at all. Um, so for me, web apps still my Achilles, and it's because like whilst I can read a lot of code, like um, certain types of like this, this PHP can sometimes still throw me with some of its syntax, like, um, and that frustrates me greatly. But I'm making a lot of strides on it, uh, and I've, I think at this stage I've managed to learn enough to read it to be able to get a gist of what's going on but it's still my Achilles, it's still my weak point um, and I'm having to work to kind of get past that. Uh, can you think of anything as you've been learning that either has been or is still just a bit of a weak link that frustrates you at all that you're trying to get better with? Uh, can you think of anything like that at all? I, honestly, there's, there's so many things that I'm not <laughs> good know. at. Um, one of the things that's just really really annoys me at the moment is the whole windows authentication environment mm. you, you, you've got all these different hashes flying about you've got kerberos you've got <laughs> golden tickets you've got all these weird things going on and i just i really struggle to keep on top of that because yeah. i'm not i'm not a, a windows person by default and that kind of stuff really really stresses me out um I think um yeah, what other things do I really really struggle with? Cryptography is another thing that oh, I just yeah. <laughs> I just can't I can't keep on top of it. But then at the same time like do I really need to? I think uh if I ever see someone come to me with some kind of like fancy crypto that I don't really understand, it's almost a finding like this isn't normal this is something weird i've never seen before like i don't want to understand it just just go and use tls because it's so much easier than your weird half cut scheme <laughs> but that that's the thing I, I it's one of the great things about this job you're always learning like sure. no two weeks are the same you you've always got some new system new technology coming along and i, I think um you have those weak points you have those things you don't really understand um, I mean, InfoSec's huge as well. Like, I'm very much coming at this from a pen testing perspective or a IoT perspective. There's all these different areas, compliance, uh, that I just I just have no fast. experience from. And it's just kind of like, well, I don't want to care about them because someone else can do that job better than me. I think that's a massive skill as well. For sure. I think that's also partly why... Uh, I'm sure you'll probably both agree on this, that it, why it's so good to connect with different people that don't just do specifically what you do and do different areas of InfoSec, whereby if you come across a system to the point where, for example, if I had been put in an IoT engagement for some reason, um, there's a bunch of people that I've been on the podcast with that I can be like, Hey, like we talked about this once. Like, have you got an hour? Like, have you got thirty minutes? Can I send you an email and just a couple of general questions about your field? It might help me with what I'm doing. With the idea, obviously, that someone can message you back with something that they know you know a lot more about. Like, because it's just so vast and there's so much to know that the distribution of knowledge and just being able to tap into that even if it's just through twitter uh, i ask questions on the weekly on there uh, to try and tap into other people's knowledge that have done it before when it's stuff that i know other people have asked or people are more involved with than me but um communication and like being able to network feels like it's yeah. also quite a big quite a big skill in this industry twitter is while it's a shit storm it's also wonderful like you can it ask really is, questions man, like, completely anything and someone 
Well, I mean, Twitter is great for many reasons. You can say something and everyone and anyone, someone's going to tell you you're wrong. Regardless of if you're right or not, they're going to tell you you're wrong. That's one thing. The second thing is you can ask questions about anything and people will more or less get you an answer. And I think the more that people have started... I get random followers on the daily. I think it's because I've got a blue tick or something. But anyway, people... People blue just, tech, yeah. I, know, I know, but the more humble brag, humble brag, you know, <laughs> casual. Nobody, nobody wanted it, but every I got episode, it. In the end. Every episode, every episode, I've got. Hey, David, <laughs> the only thing I've got to shout about these days, all right? <laughs> but yeah, you can ask anything, and someone will know. Like for example, I've got a blue car. Andrew hates the fact that I've got a blue car, but it, it's currently <laughs> fucked. And I've asked multiple questions about it, and loads of people have come out of the woodwork with like mechanical advice of shit to try without fucking the thing up. And I mean, I'm a fucking idiot at the best. I almost used the M one there, there and didn't. I'm a fucking idiot at the best of times. Um, but when it comes to working on cars, I've got no idea. But loads of people know a lot more than me. So I've decided that like, I've managed to not blow it up. It's just, just still fucked. So, but loads of people have been able to help. But it's the same with technical questions as well. Like asking about things as weird and wonderful like Kubernetes or, or other random shit that you come across on the internet. People will help you with them. And it's, it's just great. Or, they really do. Or in, yeah. or in uh, Andrew's case, he'll just fucking troll them. Because yeah. <laughs> if people Speaking of got... trolling, actually, <laughs> Andrew, uh, and not trolling, but uh, I mean, so I, I was just away last week uh, on holiday with my family. Uh, I need to be careful because some of them listen to this. Um, but <laughs> basically, anyway, shit. <laughs> no, I'm uh, no, no, great, great week, great week to be away with my family uh, for a couple of days. Uh, it's been like 15 years, but it did bring up uh, some interesting conversations. And one of them was uh, what three words? If I got that oh, right, Jesus. Yeah. So uh, speaking of sh- Twitter shitstorms uh, that are still raging and understandably so, um, it would be interesting to hear a bit of a bit of your take on the research that you did and why people should maybe be questioning what what three words are doing. Uh, is that something you'd be yeah. cool to talk about? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what three words is this concept of taking three dictionary words and linking them to a location on the globe? which conceptually is easier than reading out a grid reference, mm-hmm. you know, which, which could be a load of numbers. Um, the kind of problem is that they said that one of the problems with grid references is if you make a mistake when you're, you're saying them or transcribing them, typing them and whatever, you end up in the wrong place. Yeah. And the idea is that what three words, if you make a mistake, you know, if you typo it, if you pluralize it, whatever, it's got built-in error detection. So you end up somewhere so far away that there's no way that you'd make that mistake. So you're you're in you're in London, you type in something wrong, you, you type in table lamp chair or table lamp chairs and you end up in Australia. Mm. And kind of when they said that, we we thought we'd look at it. Um a, fr- a friend of mine, Alex Bloor brought it up with me and it just it didn't really it didn't really kind of make logical sense to me so we looked at it and i i i remember we were having like a a kind of like zoom beers and alex found a pair in london one on waterloo bridge one somewhere out in east london that were like 10 miles apart and we thought that that's not you know you added letter s and you ended up 10 miles apart 
that's not the other side of the world. No, no, it really isn't. It really isn't. So mm. I kind of drilled into it in more depth and the initial work was calling that API. They've got an API on their website. You can call it very rapidly because they've got no rate limiting on it. And um, I found lots of close pairs, lots of, you know, within five to 10 kilometers where you just added an S, removed a letter or something like that. And it kind of was like, this doesn't really add up. But an API is still, you know, you can make 10 requests a second, 50 requests a second, something like that. It's still not particularly quick. So what I did was I went to their patent. They patent their algorithm. Um, and their patent describes how you go from those words through to a coordinate and back again. So I reverse engineered the patent um, to work out how you go from one direction to the other. Cool. And it kind of, the patent described it in so much detail that you didn't, I, I, I mean, I don't get a whole the whole patent law thing. It doesn't really make sense to me. It, essentially, they described everything in so much detail you could replicate it in Python, which let me go up to like 100,000 requests a, th- a second. So we're talking like massive amounts okay. of them. And then it turns out like if you pick a square in the middle of London, it's like one in 25 squares results if you put a letter S or or change one of the words to something believable, something that someone would mispronounce, you end up somewhere really, really close. That's cool when you're ordering a pizza. You know, no one cares if your Domino's ends up like three miles down the road and you have to say, well, okay, cool, you have to drive three miles down the road and I'll get a cold pizza. It's a refund. But they're pushing this so heavily onto emergency services. Yep. Maybe that's not right maybe they're not pushing it the emergency services are promoting it and it's just like what why are we doing this like we all carry mobile phones if 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 i want to send my location to andy what i'll do is i'll pick up my phone and i'll go into a messaging app and i'll send him my location i don't have to call him i don't have to say any words it's a digital thing so you, I, know, you can share i've got a i've got a, a, a scenario where what three words actually worked and it's the only point that i've had it ever work so yeah like two years ago yeah two two years ago two two and two and a bit years ago i had uh, an unfortunate almost near-death experience in my car whereby i was doing the speed limit in mexico um and i hit a i hit a bump at about probably 70 maybe 90 maybe over 100 <laughs> miles an hour and um, I went flying and lost, didn't lose control of the car, but felt like I was going to fucking die because everything, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a near-death situation, but everything happens in slow motion. Like 10, it was, it was, I think it was like three seconds, but it felt like 10 hours. And essentially, long story short, ended up in the middle of the fucking, in, in, in the middle of a country lane, middle of nowhere, n- no idea where I was. Phone was just about dead. And um, the emergency services were like, oh yeah, da 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 we can see your GPS location is this, and it's mapped to this What Three Words location. And I'm like, at this point in time, I had no fucking idea what What Three Words was, but I opened up the app that my pal had on his phone, and I was like, yeah, that looks about right. And the the, the um, AA were at us within about 20 minutes based on that location, which was much more responsive than trying to give GPS coordinates. But yeah, but, it worked. Yeah, I g- yeah, I guess the point is you don't really have to give the GPS coordinates. You can, you should be able to press a button. Agreed, absolutely agreed. Um, 
but yeah that was the only time that i've yeah had success with what three words um i think had i said some, a word totally wrong yep they could have probably ended up in the middle of a field somewhere and i would have been fucked i mean not that i was dying or anything i wasn't like bleeding out but um the car was a bit fucked <laughs> it was very fucked <laughs> so i think this is the thing like just like you were saying there like and, and this is why i brought it up you know to begin with partly because i know it's something uh, a bugbear of yours that you've been doing research <laughs> on but also partly because of um the fact that it was my mum that brought it up to me um, yeah. and it was also on a tv show that happened to be on well I, w- I was at the caravan as well and they brought it up and since then i've seen it twice one off of the fire yeah. services uh, and uh another couple and was it even in eastenders or something at one point it's become it, a yeah. household name why um, it, it, it's crazy it, it it's absolutely crazy i mean this is the thing like i i'm i'm not gonna say it doesn't have its uses it, it's it's a nice idea it could but be better implemented it could yeah. be much better implemented i mean why is it what three words why is it not what four words because is saying four words that much worse because then it could have error correction it was in Emmerdale. I mean, you know, Emmerdale. yeah, I, ITV are one of the big investors in it. Um, so I think that's possibly why that's happened. But hmm. they lost, I think they lost, and this might be one of these moments where we might have to correct the podcast. I think they lost 53 million pounds last year. I did read that uh, somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy. What ITV like, did or what three words did? What, what three words, words did. Holy <laughs> shit. What, because of yeah. your fuckery? <laughs> no, no, no. They, I mean, they've never made a profit. Oh, they've never right, made okay. a profit, and um, fifty-three million lost last year. But then, you know, accounting can make things look interesting. You know that 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 loss to the that, investors that might old... be a gain to the people who run the business. Yeah, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> um, I, I know it, you just, too well. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame I, I because I think as a concept, like I can see why it works. And my mum's argument, uh, and it was a very fair one, was, you know, I, I don't really understand coordinates and how they work, uh, but I do understand words. Like, so I can very easily <laughs> see good. these. Yeah. And, you know, that's understandable yeah. for a lot of people. They'll feel the same. So I, as a concept, I think it's fantastic. But that doesn't mean that just because on paper and at a high level, it seems like a good idea that it should be immediately adopted and rolled out without due diligence being taken by people that aren't the company that's touting it and trying to make money off of it. Like, um, surely before something else gets, something like that gets released, it should add a bit more research if the issues that you've described are present in, in its current form. Um, and like you say, like, it's only a matter of time before something bad will happen like and then I it'll mean, be oh but how could we have known but, you know. yeah relatively bad stuff's happened nothing Has awful's it, yeah. happened that yeah i mean there's there's been it, it's really bad in mountain rescue situations it, it, which isn't related to the stuff that i've looked at really it's just the fact that if someone moves like a meter or three meters to the right then they end up with the three words that have got no relation to the other ones so it can be really quite bad in those situations um and there was a the i mean well there's been one situation we found where they added a letter s and they sent the wrong mountain rescue team out you know that's the which is a bad thing we we can avoid this we could admit there's problems with the system and not not use it for these situations but you know, it is what it is. 
yeah. I think it's a losing battle, to be honest. Yeah, uh, very well could be. But I think it's still important for people to like take the time out and do the research like you have done and at least make people aware and it's up to them whether or not they ask the question hard enough that it gets looked at. Uh, but I, I personally, I think that area of kind of research um, really interesting. Just anything where you're taking something that uh, you feel like you've noticed something that's in the public's interest to know more about it. Um, well, another example is, into is, is how is how Cyber Gibbons got famous. Bitfy. Like, that was a yeah. shit show. I mean, it was hilarious, but it was a shit show. It was a cryptographic bitcoin wallet thing that was being touted by uh, john mcafee rest his soul psychopath um and (laughs) (laughs) he invited he invited tyranny to his house and stuff it was great like party and all sorts of stuff but that all all the random projects that come up are just hilarity absolute hilarity i mean it it it, i i know that some of these are probably you know the the impact on life is is rare or minimal, but we do get companies kind of like traipsing all over our assumptions. I, I, I don't know a better way of saying that. Like um, Bitfi, yeah, they were like, oh, you can't hack it. Well, you can. What three words? This doesn't happen. Well, it does. Um, nursery Cam and their ridiculous system where they said that it was all end-to-end encrypted, but no, anybody can view the cameras in any nursery. Um, Pandora, any like it's an unhackable yeah. car alarm. No, it's not. We hacked it. Yeah, we, we stole exactly. Cars. Like, um, there was a VPN thing I looked into years ago where they were like, oh yeah, plugged it. It, it was essentially one of those like off-the-shelf Chinese routers with open VPN connect, and they were like, oh yeah, if you use this, you can be a whistleblower and you won't get caught. And it's like, no, no, that that's a fraction <laughs> of the stuff you're putting people at danger by your claims here make your claims reasonable i think this is the thing if people just said bitfy would mean that you can't you know recover the keys from a device that's never been used because they don't exist nursery cam it's unlikely that anybody's ever hacked it you know people could change their tone their claims and it would seem a lot less bad i don't know yeah realistic claims yeah and rather than trying to yeah yeah, no, that's exactly it. Like, yeah, there's. I think it's just the problem is that I'd imagine there's probably a disconnect of the technical people that have developed something and the marketing team that kind of go, yeah. "All right, so it's a lock. We'll tell everyone it is the best lock in the world." And the developer is like, "Well, I mean, I'm quite happy with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that." And they're like, "Well, but we're going to say that because it'll make us more money." Like, I'm sure there's a disconnect there with some companies as well. But yeah. Yeah. What can you do? Um, that's yeah, why. So that's why we don't have corporate sponsorship because we don't want that connection. We just don't want. <laughs> this is this is a note for anyone who was thinking of sponsoring Would You Cast. No thanks. Not Squarespace. <laughs> NordVPN. <laughs> no. 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 Thank you. We I are... mean, how much are we talking? Like, what's our price? No. No. We. We. Yeah, Dave, I mean... No. <laughs> we do not have a price. I. I will. I will not take sponsorship for Would You Cast. Not even for a million pounds. No thanks. <laughs> Dave might, but I'm not gonna. I mean, you can have fifty percent of the airtime, or like, yeah, I don't know, we have guests, so I guess like one third. Like, so I'll, I'll drop them all. It's fine. I'll take all the money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, well, one other thing we like to talk about, which is nothing to do with security at all, um, is 
what you do to detune because we're all guilty of not doing enough of it at times um i'm trying to get better with it i've been going like five mile walks a day and stuff which is not like me and i'm feeling great for it um and i know that you do stuff like i think you do cycling and running and stuff recently Fucking which is cool cyclists Fucking cyclist. <laughs> Good on them. Right. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about it. Like, so you turn the computer off, you're done with your shift. Like, what do you like doing? I mean, for, for, for many years, Lego. I, I really like oh, building yeah. Lego sets, playing with Lego. That mm. That's that's something that's always kind of like done it for me. Like, it's just kind of, uh, I guess it takes you back to your childhood years, but it's also like you can build weird stuff and it, it actually really engages your brain in a kind of like different way to using computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the, the, the running and the cycling. I don't know why I'm doing that, to be honest. It, it's is painful. It, is it just to outdo Phil? Just, just <laughs> no, no. It's, it, it, well, no, the, the running is just to outdo Yeki. No, it was... It, it, it was... Um, what annoy Ken Renault. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm not I'm never gonna meet that that he can just run so fast oh, and so far. Yeah, did... I, I just don't I just don't get it. Like it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, I mean I, I'm doing the running because like it's really good for the cycling. To be honest, like it does really yeah. improve it. And just I kind of like riding my bike really fast and going to different places. Um, I I find um. One one of the things I really struggle with is is getting my brain to stop thinking. Mm, um to stop for sure you know churning over stuff like whether it's work or a concept related to work or or news or whatever and all i can think of when i'm running is if i'm going too fast am i going to be sick or <laughs> or too like like doing maths in my head about paces and stuff like that you know like i'm trying to think if i if i get if i get 5 30 how long is it going to take me to do a 5k and it just it clears the brain yeah mindfulness and loving i mean i know it's a a bit cliche for some people but living in the moment like it's the same that professional sports people do like you can't be thinking about that math problem at home if you're directly thinking about not falling on your arse (laughs) like while you're running and you already feel like you're about to fall over like you kind of got to focus on the here and now um so i really appreciate it man like because i'm i really want to get fitter Running is the path of least resistance to probably do that next to a bike. Uh, I just don't have anywhere to store a bike. Uh, but it's always in my head because I've never been able to run the length very far um, and for long, ex-smoker and stuff. Um, so me just kind of starting out doing these little bits of exercising, even if it's just walking, and just seeing the progress you've made in such a yeah, kind of short yeah. period of time, man. Like, uh, did you say you did like 10 or... 10 miles uh or 15 miles or 15 kilometers when you meant for 10 or something recently I did, yeah i did, I did 15k yeah. last week just yeah but that's mad but it's 15k is just 5k times three it's kind of like slightly different bits hurt but you know it, it's not really not really making much difference I, th- I think the thing is it's like yeah mindfulness you, you you nail it there that's the thing just being able to kind of like isolate yourself from the rest of the world and just yeah be at one with you mm. I, I think that's what that's what important you know that same with riding the bike i've got this regular bike route i do and it's just it's picturesque i really like the way it looks and the experiences i have along it and i just kind of i'm not thinking about passwords and reports and pen testing at that point in time i'm thinking about going a little bit faster or just enjoying the view and just kind of feel nice to be honest 
Yeah, and getting outside as well. Like, uh, I think having anywhere you do like a regular route, like I stay, stay next to Kelvin Grove Park in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. And especially through lockdown, I've made the most of that, just getting out a walk. But just the change of the seasons and stuff, like things that if you're walking about and you've got your phone on, you know, you're just WhatsApping people as you go that you don't look up and yeah for enough time to take it in and realize what's changed like and yeah it's, it's really really good like uh for, for taking a break away from the keyboard and just doing something totally different um i'm happy to be making progress with it because it's been oddly difficult <laughs> for me personally I, I, but that's the thing like I, I think for anybody like wanting to get outside or start exercise anything if, if you're off the couch you're doing something you're doing something more than the person on the couch which i think that that's what counts to be honest just doing anything like changing yeah. changing your mindset like i think dave kennedy who we've previously had on this oh, podcast Jesus. like he, my he's god going man full like, full tilt on, on full arnie like it's it's honestly amazing to watch um because yeah just seeing him from the very beginning of that journey it's just the same as your self andrew yeah. like um and he's just encouraging everybody to do the same like uh definitely seems humble about it but also quite visible as to what he's doing and it's the knock-on effect of seeing him do that and other people as well uh that have started to get into it um one of our previous guests um danny danny like is uh obviously killing it as well like you know it's, it's great to see it kind of propagate out uh, and it's been the same i guess me seeing you on twitter is enough to help me a bit with that as well so uh yeah everyone should get more afk time we keep saying uh, it but I it's mean, true i mean and, andy doing andrew doing cycling has just made, made me hate cyclists even more than i already <laughs> hated them so like it's, it's not changed my opinion on that. I still so it says more cunts. about you than him andy it says more about <laughs> him. It, it, it's all good I, I remember tweeting right at the beginning saying like i'm just doing this to start arguments <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't wrong i think i think <laughs> there was, was an it? argument that you and i were having at some point about i can't even remember something about cyclists anyway you know like, that's not illegal and i'm like fucking is illegal dicks and then dave lodge <laughs> waited and he was like actually no it's not illegal I'm like sharp dave this is not the time or the place to be a dick <laughs> but i still love your blue car though it's it's fucked at the moment it doesn't fucking drive but- anywhere okay <laughs> okay i don't love it anymore sorry <laughs> <laughs> It is a great car, but um, it's it's sitting dead in my car park at the moment and has been for the last three weeks. So We'll push it to the garage, it's fine. I'm going to have to push it to a trailer on next Wednesday, which will be fun. Andrew can tow it. On his bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very special bike. <laughs> How many bikes would that take? Well, I don't know. It depends. Like if, it depends on your pull power. If you've got, like, technically, I can push my car. I'm not, I'm not He-Man, but I can. it's like 1,600 kilos and I can push it. It's on wheels. I, I, I've definitely watched a video where someone's towed a car with a bike, an e-bike though. Yeah. Which mm. parts are arriving for in the near future? Or you can you do a conversion? Or yeah, well, I I, I bought shady parts from China um, <laughs> to build a 750 watt e-bike, which is pretty it's completely legal for listeners. <laughs> it's, it's just gonna be, I mean, like you know, re- realistically, a human can put out. 250 watts for a relative period of time 750 yeah it's gonna be good fun yeah for sure i mean like so you get horsepower but do you get like tyranny power like can we <laughs> Gibbon, uh, yeah, tyranny power needed to move that gibbons is it? <laughs> gibbons. i think that's like three gibbons powers or something like that i don't know i'd, ha- I'd have power. to yeah i'd have to cross-reference that well, I suppose that, that brings us on to, like, to the, the, the final question like what are your plans for the future 
what are my plans for the future? Yes. I do you know what? I no idea. One of one of my major failings in life is that shit just happens and it just washes <laughs> over me and generally it's been good. Sometimes it's been really, really awful. Um, but most of the time it's been quite good. And I kind of like where I am, to be honest. Like I've got I, I work with the my my hardware team, the people who work with me. Uh, I, I don't know if I should name shout them or they know who they are. They're they're great people who uh, every day they develop. Um, they help me develop. We all kind of like chip in, and I kind of feel happy in this place at the moment. Like I think career satisfaction or or feeling happy where you are. It is less about the jobs you're doing day to day and it's more about the people around you and I kind of like where I am at the moment it's that camaraderie something... you mentioned before with a ship isn't it like it sounds like that's something you generally look for as one of those like essential parts of a job and I think any I think most people would surely agree like who doesn't like having a good team around them that of people that inspire and help yes. push you to do better and help you feel you know, comfortable yeah. and happy in work. Like it's a, it's a blessing. It's the happy trinity. So the the happy trinity of work, having enjoyable work, having a good team that you work enjoy working with, and being paid to do it, be, be it good money or or decent money. That they're the kind of that's the three things that I look for in a job. And having a good team certainly is up there because if you, I've had it previously in teams whereby you can be paid decent money, enjoy the work, but if you've got a shit team, and especially if you've got a shit manager, you're gonna have a shit time. Mm. so yeah it's happened in previous employers it's not happening in my current place really enjoying it but that's just that's not going on about my current place but that's just me <laughs> it's good stuff man yeah so so awesome. the sorry i cut you off the the plans for the future is just to just to let shit wash over you then have a have a have yeah, a bath much. Thames. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it stinks at the moment the thames but yeah it did i just 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 see what happens to be honest like I'm I'm a big fan of um, if things start going bad, like correcting early and often. Like you know, if you see something's not working, stop doing it or change what you're doing as soon as you can. You know, and it it, it kind of works to be honest at the moment. Um, when it keeps on me. working into the f- yeah, I just I don't I, I don't know have no major aspirations to to kind of do or or be anything. Like you know, I'm happy. I'm happy as I am, which we can't think... hope for more. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. Honestly, guys, I love hearing people uh, that are in that position. Um, because I'm sure you've earned it as well, mate. So, um, no, that's awesome. Um, thanks for joining us, like uh, for, for the podcast, man. It's been really interesting. Like I say, plenty of people have wanted to get you on here. Uh, I, I think it's been really interesting speaking to you, having as I say, followed you on Twitter and stuff. Um and yeah uh, honestly thanks uh i'm sure andy feels the same i think he's a yeah, cunt, been... but that's just that's just my opinion no i'm joking it's been, yeah really really enjoyed it like i i think there's been countless nights out after conferences and stuff where i've spoken to tierney about various bits and pieces all the stories like things about things we probably wouldn't mention in the cast but story, stories <laughs> and stuff that's happened on ships so, like i still remember the first conference i went to when i was working at ptp and we all get drunk. It was Joe Dalton, uh, myself, uh, you, and Dave Lodge, and I believe Rob as well. We all got drunk, and I think I'm not sure if Cam was there. 
and we dared Tierney to get to the top of the tallest building in Leeds or we give him 20 quid within about 20 minutes I think we got a message in uh, Signal being like yep so I'm there and we're like <laughs> Uh, no, I, d- I didn't make it to the top though. Oh, you I, didn't. I got, no, you got in- in. I got, I, I got into the, I got into the building and bumped into a cleaner who wouldn't give me her keys to let me get to the roof. <laughs> that, that was, a, that <laughs> was a good evening, why. that though. But then, but then you also, we, so then after that we went to the after party, and I'm pretty sure you picked the lock and the fire escape, and we ended up on the roof anyway. I've got a picture of you on the roof yes, of some yes, building, yeah. which was amazing. Like, yeah, with a dinner knife, as you do. <laughs> yeah, I remember we, that. We managed to get to uh, one hour 35 before you've basically just thrown them into a crime. What? Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> There's been plenty of other random shit, but we won't talk about Victimless that. crime, victimless crime. It's all good. Didn't stab anyone, he just picked the door. It's fine. No, that's <laughs> that, fine. That, that was that. The, the, we, we had that. We, we wanted to eat. And nowhere in Leeds oh, yeah. didn't do peanuts apart from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, so we got like a massive, I think it was the biggest order from McDonald's ever. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was like 92 quid's worth of McDonald's. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> Good night, that. Good night. It was. It was great. I look forward to it when conferences return. Like B-Side yeah. London's in like two weeks' time, which will be quite good. I'll be, be talking about that and hopefully see some some people. You're going to make it to B-Side journey? I, I've not got any plans to go. Um, I'm not talking, but I might come out for a beer if anybody is about and COVID's not ruining us by that point. Uh, we, we we can chat once we start recording. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking well, of recordings, um, so I, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna close I've, out the podcast. Or um, bef- before you do so, uh, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break. We should probably add to the cast. Um, oh yeah, shit. At least until kind of past December. So I've got my QSTM exam uh, coming up on like the 6th of December. Got a course before it. Um, and yeah, that'll be like my first like major pen test qualification. And very much a kind of uh, capstone thing I want to cross and get out of the way and do it well. So we'll be taking a bit of a break. And I think we'll maybe try and squeeze something in between Christmas then and the end of December or something, maybe something small. But um, yeah, if you don't hear from us for a while, we will be back. Um, in 2022, and 2022, 22, Jesus. At the latest, at the latest <laughs> 2022. Uh, but I, this was as far as podcasts that we could uh, sign off on for maybe a month or two. This one's been great, man. Thanks very much for joining. No worries. That was really good. Thanks for listening. Bye.